Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to let you know a little bit about something I have going on. A lot of you have been DMing me and sending me messages asking me when I'm bringing back another small business workshop or another class. Well, good news. On April 25th, I'm kicking off a free masterclass, Social Media for Small Business. If you're looking to up your social media game when it comes to your business, you're absolutely going to want to register and join me. You'll walk away with a comprehensive idea of what to post, where, when, and how to do it efficiently so that you can focus on the number one important thing in your business, which is growing your bottom line. Click the link in the show notes for information and to sign up. Again, it's free, so there's no excuse not to come. Don't wait. Doors close soon. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Allie Ref, founder of Alice in Wonder. I love Allie's story because like so many founders, it started in the second bedroom of her Chicago apartment and has grown into not only two storefront locations in Lincoln Park and Lakeview here in Chicago, but a huge online store as well. Alice in Wonder is a woman's apparel and gift shop out of Chicago. They bring you the good stuff. Everything from those hard-to-find gems that you can't live without to the classic brands you know and trust. They get it. Having the perfect tea or just the right cocktail glass can be a daybreaker or a daymaker, and they're here for the latter. One of the things that I love about Alice in Wonder is that they believe in uniqueness, but they also believe in affordability, and that's when they've got their job done. So come on in and meet today's guest, Allie Ref. I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Here on Dear Founder today is Allie Ref. She is the founder and owner of Alice in Wonder, which I found, I think, from Chicago Magazine. And they had featured some kind, I think it was the pillows, which I love. Yeah, they featured the pillows. <laughs> the pillows, the embroidered pillows, and which were in the Dear Founder gift guide. And that's really when I found Alice in Wonder. And it opened up my eyes to this whole new site and store and place to buy gifts here in Chicago that I didn't know about when I was living in the city. And I wish that I did. Um, But I think you kind of came around right when I had left. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in any event, Allie is joining us today. And I just want to say she is the epitome of an entrepreneur. She started her store from her apartment, packing boxes in her shower I'll share the reel to show you guys. And she has two locations now in a booming online retail business, as well as private label in the store. And I'm sure there are so many more things that I don't know about or are coming because that is just seems to be how you are cut. Oh, yeah. But Allie Ref, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this. Like, and I'm honored to be a part of it. It's just like, 
so great to hear other women's stories. And um, I'm excited to share my journey. I, I can't wait to hear it. So I want you to take us back to how this started. And I know you had a career in PR prior and you just kind of like most entrepreneurs weren't feeling fulfilled. And how did, how did Alice in Wonder come about? Yeah, this is like the age old question that I get asked about a bunch. Um, And I, I feel like it's probably a similar answer with every entrepreneur, but I had always wanted to start a store. It was a long dream of mine. I actually just found a paper that I wrote in college, and it's a a business proposal for a store that I wanted to open, and I was going to call it the Polka Dot Petunia. Um, And I just, I literally, what I wrote in for that store of like what I was going to open in college, it's literally the exact same concept that Alice in Wonder turned out to be. Uh, But I think, you know, I I moved to Chicago after I graduated. I wanted to get a little bit more into the corporate world. Um, So I spent about eight years kind of bouncing around from different agencies um, in the marketing and PR world. And I got a few jobs um, in the PR world. The latest job that I had had I worked for an agency and I was doing social media for McDonald's. Um, We were doing influencer engagement, which was seriously such a cool job and really helped me learn. But also at the same time, um, I was working all the time and there was just a lot that I felt like I could do um, and do on my own. And then I just, I kind of reached a point in my life. I had just gotten married and I, I never saw my husband, you know, it was just all about the job. And I just felt like if I didn't do, if I didn't start this business now, I would never start it. Um, And I think that's probably how a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, start with that. A lot of people ask like, well, how did you know? I think it's just this like passion inside of you. That's like, if I don't do this, like I'll never do it, you know? So did you do it while you were working or did you quit and then do it? So I, I feel like my story is a little bit different. I actually ended up quitting And then I started doing it. So I quit with kind of abandon and um, no plan. I don't necessarily say that I would recommend (laughs) that as like (laughs) my business advice. I got a little bit lucky in the fact that like, then I just, you know, that having me quit and then, you know, me having no job really fueled me even more to be like, I have to make this work. Um, And I think that anybody who owns a business, you work so much that there has to be something that tells you, like, I have to make this work. So I think it was a driver for me, but I know a ton of entrepreneurs that start their business as a side hustle while they are still doing something full time. So I fully think that that is also a great option. Um, But I quit my job. I wanted to get into something in fashion, but at that point, I was kind of in my late 20s and I didn't have anything on my resume that said I would be good at fashion. Um, So I felt like there were a lot of barriers to me getting jobs at other companies that would just take in, you know, this random girl who didn't really have anything that said I would be good at it. So, you know, then I just said, I'm going to start it on my own. So we started out of the second bedroom of my apartment. Um, My husband, you know, kind of helped me on the side with it, which was wonderful. I had friends at my agency. I remember specifically, I have a, I had a creator director friend who came over and helped me figure out how to shoot my own imagery and then helped me figure out how to do Photoshop so that I could make my images look a little bit prettier on my website because I truly had no 
idea. And Canva didn't exist then. No, Canva didn't exist. Like none of these things. I went in really naive. I will say too, I feel like I had seen these shops and I was like, oh, I can take that beautiful image on my iPhone and I'll post that on my website. And then I tried to do that. And I was like, this is not what I see. (laughs) When you started though, did you start fully online first? Correct. Yeah. So I started online um, and I just thought like, we'll just see a little bit where that goes. And then I really, really hustled in that first few years of business. Like I did any pop-up imaginable. I um, actually found this like kind of great niche where a couple of my girlfriends invited me to their work happy hours, like to come pop up at their offices. Um, so I would come into office buildings and just bring all of my goods. And then they would have a little happy hour while I sold the things that, you know, I was selling online. Um, I have very big memories of having my first intern and we were going to do like kind of an at-home shopping party. And then the girl that we were doing it for was like, by the way, I live on the third floor. There's no elevator. And we had racks of clothes and tubs of candles and anything that you can imagine. And by the time we set up the pop-up, we were sweating. I mean, I don't think we spoke to any of the customers for a solid 20 minutes just because we were like trying to take deep breaths and figure (laughs) out how we had just carried all that stuff. But that's just the stuff you got to do. So I got a lot of experience in like being in front of customers and hearing what they were saying about my product. I think that's the best way to do it is like really hearing that feedback. Um, I had always thought that online was going to be permanently how we were, but then I had heard from my customers that people did actually still really enjoy that in-person shopping experience. You know, girls would say, oh, this isn't the way that it looks online, or I didn't know it was this soft, or I didn't know it fit me this well. So there are a lot of consumers out there. Um, While online is absolutely necessary and vital to so many businesses, um, that in-person experience in in accompaniment with an online, you know, presence, I think it's super important because people want to feel like they're part of the experience. They, and especially with clothing, they want to try it on. So um, how long yeah. was it before you opened up your first retail location? And what was it that pushed you to do it? Like, how, like what was like kind of the, because it's, that's a big investment, right? right? Right, right. And I will say with Alice in Wonder, like we did everything. We really tiptoed um, into everything because it is a super big investment. So we were working out of our apartment. Um, and by we, I literally mean like myself and my husband who was like helping me on the side. Um doing it out of my apartment um, for about two years. And then actually a retail space opened up on Webster, which is our current retail space. Um, We had looked into it in the beginning of the year. It seemed to be pretty expensive. So we thought about it a little bit and then just decided, no, that's probably not for us. Um, And we still saw that the space was open um, in the spring months. So we just thought, hey, maybe there's a way that we could strike a deal. No one's been in this in this place. And we think that it's a really good location. Uh, so we approached this landlord to see if we could do a pop-up there for a couple of months. Our our space on, in Lincoln Park is on a street called Webster. And it's just a few blocks off of the main shopping street, which is on Armitage. So I went into that knowing that it wasn't on the main shopping street. The main shopping street retail prices were about three to four times more expensive than this location was. So I really wanted to go in and see Will people come to this location, even though it's it's surrounded by a couple of restaurants? That was so smart that you asked to do a pop-up first. Yeah. 
Absolutely, because signing a lease someplace is a really long-term investment. And if you want to make it look beautiful and everything that your you know dreams and vision, you have to put a lot of money into that space. So you're going to want to be there for years and years. And having the wrong location is just dire to, you know, you can have a great product, but if nobody sees it, then how are you going to sell it? So um, we did this pop-up for a few months. We, like I said, we started really slowly. I mean, I was open for like three days a week and then four days a week and then five days a week. And I literally hired girls that came in to shop and said, Hey, would you like somebody to work the shop? And and I remember girls approaching me about that. And I thought, Oh yeah, that would be great. Like I had no idea how I would even <laughs> get people to work for me. And like, so fortunately, one of the very first people who came and offered to work for me is still a full-time employee of ours. Like she's been with the business for so long. She's like my right hand gal. Like So I think there's just these times and moments in life where the people who are meant for you, like will come into your life and like things just kind of start to fold in. And I have just learned like so much, obviously, along the way. And so that location on Webster, actually, you know, we completely DIY'd it. We we made it like okay for that pop up during the summer and then we shut it down um, and we completely redid the space all ourselves, Uh, literally built every single table ourselves, built the cash register um, we didn't have like a big investment that came into the business. So everything just needed to be done on a budget friendly basis, but I wanted to make it feel like something nobody else had walked into. And I wanted to make customers, you know, want to come back. So, um, we, we you have proven though, that retail isn't dead because Correct. your first space did so well that you opened up a second space on Southport, which is gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's gorgeous. And I feel like Correct me if I'm wrong, but did that space open right before the pandemic or like? So it it, it opened after. Uh, we just opened okay. that space this past July. Okay. Um, See, everything runs together in the last yes, couple of years. No, I knew totally. it was new, but kudos to you for opening up a space during this time as well. Yes. Thank you. And And you know what? Again, like I said, like I think um, life is totally all about how you react to the circumstances around you that happen. And the pandemic obviously put so many small businesses through terribleness. Um, and I think, you know, it, it obviously affected our business a lot as well. Southport was a street that we were really, really hoping to get onto for a very long time. We had searched all these other places on Southport, but it's a, it's regularly known as a street with big back shops. Um, we even put multiple offers into other spaces on Southport, but were beat out by big back shops. Um, more because obviously they have a larger funding and you have landlords that are from overseas and they're feeling more comfortable with going with a big brand than than a local brand. So we got our heart broken many times on Southport, uh, but the location that we're in was actually going to be a bakery. And then through the pandemic, that bakery had decided to pull out of it, just not knowing what the state of the world would, would be and if people would be coming out for you know, baked goods or foods. Obviously, that was one of the uh, businesses that took a huge hit during the pandemic. So they pulled out of their lease. Uh, and then we very fortunately, like there was an opening there. So we we jumped on it and thought, again, if we don't do it now, we'll never be able to do it. So we just got to put everything into it. I have, I have so many questions, obviously. <laughs> I Because here's the thing. Here's what I, and I want people to understand this. You have a a store, you have two stores and you have an online shop and it's not about the store. It's not, it's, it's 
about the feeling you get when you walk into that store and the feeling you get when you go to your website and the products that you have. You have curated this shop in one of the most magnificent ways I've ever seen. And I, and I, I mean it across a lot of levels. One, you have stuff you can't find anywhere else. Like I've never seen a lot of your stuff anywhere else. Wow. That is, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Of course. But like, I mean, this is why you're so successful. This is why people shop in your store and shop online and keep coming back. But two, and this is what I love and what I think is so important, especially for your customer who are, you know, these are a lot of city dwelling people who, you know, may or may not be single young families, you know, it's reasonably priced. You have really good stuff that is not break the bank. And I think back to like those days when I first moved to Bucktown, right. And I want to say for our audience who's listening, Bucktown is another area in Chicago that was gentrified like uh, 10, 15 years ago was literally not a place you would want to go. And then all of a sudden it turned into this boutique hotspot. And that was kind of like the boutique hotspot of Chicago, but you would go into these stores and you couldn't buy anything. I couldn't buy anything. I couldn't afford anything. And, you know, you would go in and a a sweater would be a thousand dollars. Shoes would be $500. And everything was really cool and great to look at, but it was not a place where the average you know, young 20 something, 30 something could buy product. And you have a store where people can go in and walk out with product and actually shop and come back. And that is, you know, I, you listened to your customer clearly, but like, how did you curate such an amazing selection and what goes into what you put into the store? Because that is your product. Well, thank you so much for recognizing that. And like like I said, when I told you that I wrote a college essay on the business I wanted to start, that was literally always at the forefront. Like I w- always wanted my items to be one unique and two affordable. Um, that's just the way that I shop. I mean, I think going into a business where like you are the consumer is pretty helpful. Um, I walk into places and same thing, like I would come into the city or I was that young 20 something girl that wanted to go look for that tap for the night out and boutiques around the city were just so insanely expensive that they were fun to pop into, but I would never buy something from them. Or it would be a big box and everyone would have the same shop at the same time. And like, you don't want that either. Exactly. So I just found that like, especially for Chicago and and we, I think we still actually need more of it. Like there's just not enough budget friendly places that are providing you with different styles or different options. Uh, because I think that's why people come into the city. They want that uniqueness. Like they want to feel like they're getting something that nobody else has. Um, and I just really felt like there was no place for me to shop. And that's why I opened this shop because I wanted that place to be to exist you know it's funny because when I found you in Chicago magazine and I saw the pillow you know that I love right. so much that I've already talked about a million times <laughs> when I saw the pillow I was like oh this pillow is going to be $300 like I'm right. not you know before I even looked at the price and it was 40 or 50 dollars I mean it was very reasonable and I was like oh I can totally shop at this store I'm going to look into it and and that's I went to your website and I looked yeah. into it and you know, I, I, I just, I, you have done such a great job with that. And, you know, obviously marketing and social media is your background. You, you understand customers, you understand how to get people, you know, into your, your doors and into your website. 
But talk to me a little bit about how social media has played a role. Oh my gosh. In your business. I mean, so social media is this obviously this ever evolving thing uh, that we all are aware of. I, I think that we probably wouldn't be where we are without social media. I mean, when I was- you have a huge following for a boutique. Yeah, I, I would say I'm really proud of the, the following that we have. And I feel like our following is like just such a strong community. I mean, the people who support us on like via our Instagram feel like family to me just because we've probably DM'd like five or six times, you know, like if people are DMing us, like they're, they might be getting some of my staff who um, also helps with customer service, but they also might be getting me at 11 o'clock on a Friday, you know, like, because that's, we are like very hands out of our business. So I feel like social media really, really played a huge part when we were up and coming. Um, just that really simple way of like having friends share, you know, I like this shirt or commenting or just easily being able to like tell their friends about somewhere else. Like that is just where social media really came into play. And then kind of what you were mentioning, I mean, I feel like in the past few years, um, we have created a lot of our like in-house designs because to me, that's been one of the ways that we've been able to keep our store super unique. Um, it's just creating some of these designs ourselves. Specifically, we create a Chicago line um, that is really meant for the girl who is a Chicagoan or has visited Chicago and feels a lot of pride in that. And she isn't going to Michigan Avenue and buying a sweatshirt from the souvenir stand. Like she wants something cool that she can work into her everyday wardrobe. And that's kind of how we started creating these pieces. And they just like completely took off. So we started posting those on social media and, you know, all of a sudden you're getting comments from people truly all over the world who are like, I grew up in Chicago. My parents are from Chicago. I had this experience in Chicago and I really want this sweatshirt. So, I mean, that's just been able to help, help kind of like our city pride grow, like not only in our city, but, but throughout wherever people are at because just because of like one social media post. So it's really crazy what social media can do. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. You said something too, it's not in that I want to go back to. It's not just social media. You said my favorite word, which is community. and. I, I I stress this all the time with clients here on the podcast that your community is everything to you. Your community is your customers. Absolutely. And so you have to cultivate that community on social media. And you said, we respond back. It might be me. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Like I, that's, I built a whole business, you know, being the person who, who at 11 PM on Friday night was responding. So right. I get it. Yeah. But, and so I want you to kind of talk about that too, in terms of community and how that has translated into sales for your business. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, like, I feel like really, like I am very similar to the customer that I am trying to attain. And that being said, I have always wanted our brand to appear to be very approachable, you know, like I want, and the girls who work for me and just everybody around our brand, like I want us to be this girl who's like, yeah, I want a cute top. I want a fun wine glass for my girls night that I'm going to. Like these things are not the things that we're selling. Like these are who we are as people. Um, And I feel like just being able to interact with those people, whether it be social media, DMing them, commenting on people's things, even more, the the best interaction for sure is getting to see people in in store um, and just like getting that reaction. I will truly never forget when we opened our Southport location in July, we had this opening date. It was on a Saturday, you know, and we had put a bunch of stuff out there, come and, and people got a free tote bag. And in my mind, I thought, you know, we have these social media followers and I feel like hopefully girls will want to see the new store. So hopefully people will come to this opening. Like that was kind of my expectation. And so the doors are locked. It's 10 a.m. We're, we're still getting stuff ready. We're getting the cookies and the, the drinks poured and all that stuff. And all of a sudden the line starts forming out, out, outside. And it just gets longer and longer. And that line goes around the block. And they finally asked me if I wanted to like open the door and put the sign out. And I just opened the door and I just lost. I mean, I just bawled because I was just like, it's incredible to me that these women have chosen to give our store you know, an hour of their time on a Saturday that all these friends are getting together and that this means as much to them as it means to me. So community is like, you know, we wouldn't have this business without people who are like, I want to support you. And I I don't think I'll ever be able to like show my gratitude in, in the ways that I like truly feel on the inside of people who have come to support us in that way. I love that. And I love that story. And I also want to bring up the fact that the reason that people want to come in, they want to share their time with you is because you share your time with them. It's a mirror, right? And so if, if it weren't, if that weren't the create, the community that you were cultivating surrounding your brand, then that wouldn't be the case, but that's, and, and that's the point I want to drive home to our listeners is that it is a two-way street always, no matter what your product is, whether you're selling one-on-one services or you have a store or you have a franchise, you always have a customer and you have to create that back and forth community with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really feel like, honestly, this that's been one of the like things that I've tried to challenge myself with, to be totally honest. Like, again, now that we're in the social media world, I'm, I didn't start the company so that like I could be the total face of the brand. I'm not like, always the most comfortable in front of the camera. Um, I'm not like an influencer who like every day is just like, I'm ready to chit chat. And I have so much respect for people who are great in front of the camera all the time. And I love to hire those people because that, that isn't always in my, in my wheelhouse or my personality. But I do think that when you own a business to me, it, it is really important to say like, I am the face of this business. And if you are buying with me, you're supporting me. If you have a major issue with something that that went on, I would be the one to answer you. Like I will make anything right. Like I want to connect with you. 
Um, and, you know, now our business has grown. So I, I may not necessarily be the one that everybody gets to chat with, but I do think, you know, trying to put myself out there more. And I would say to any other aspiring entrepreneurs, like, even if you're not selling yourself, like, I do think it is a part of your job to kind of put yourself out there in ways that might make you feel uncomfortable, but to make those connections, because you'll always be glad once without a doubt. And it comes back to you tenfold. I, you know, it's funny when you say what you just said, because when I started bump club, I, there was no social media, none. There weren't even like business Facebook pages. And, but I would stand there as, and share my like journey uh, with my pregnancy and motherhood. And then I started sharing it online and it wasn't like a contrived thing. There were no influencers. Like I just have always shared. And to your point, I was never like, I didn't start my company to like do TV segments. I started my company to serve parents. And with that, I became the face of the company and the expert of the, of the, space, you know, and it's very similar to you. You are the face of Alice in Wonder. You didn't start it to be an influencer, but you're not an influencer. You're influential. Right. Oh, I like that. (laughs) You know, and I, but I say that all the time, like you are influential, like, and people buy from you because they trust you and they, they love you and they love what you pick, but you're not making money like by, by holding up, you know, a link to something. That's not how you make money. You, your store makes money when people come in and buy from your store. Right. So it's very, it's very different. I want to ask you back in those early days, I know you quit your job and you started this out of your apartment. Did you have a plan or was it just kind of like, like, did you sit down and like make a plan or was it like, let's just go? I love this question because the answer should be like, yes, I had this. Like, I don't think totally so. I don't down. necessarily. Think um, you think no. it should be? It was true. Well, I think that there are like two different. And if you, as if you get to know me, you'll know that like, this is just kind of how I roll. I'm a very much like fly by the seat of my pants. Like let's go with this idea, which I think in some respects is a great thing because it makes me like adaptive to change. Like very quickly. I feel like I can like jump on things and get it going. But on the other hand, then I'm like, okay, I need to get that organized part of my brain to get back going and like think ahead. Um, however, I I really did not have like a fully blown out plan. I mean, basically we had just said, we're going to try this for six months and see what happens. Um, and to be totally honest, actually the best business advice that I have ever gotten, I, I had sat down and I was like, okay, I, here's how I want my business to look I want everything to be just this way. I wanted my website to be a certain way. I wanted the packaging to be a certain way. I wanted it to be, you know, I put together this list of all these stores that I really loved and that I admired. And, you know, what do they do that's really well? And what can I do that's, you know, a basis off of that? And then I was talking to a friend of mine and I was just like, you know, I just don't have all the pieces together and the packaging isn't right. And I don't don't exactly know how I'm going to do this. And he was just like, just start just start. The best thing that you can do for yourself is just start. It's never going to be perfect. So if you don't get started now, then you're just never, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. And thinking about that where I was like, yeah, that's the best. I, that's the best advice I can ever get. Cause you're always going to learn. You're always going to improve. Even if I would have waited six more months and gotten a better sticker that I liked for my business, like that wouldn't have really impacted my business that deeply. But those six months of learning for sure helped shape me for how I moved forward. So I think kind of going into it and saying, 
I'm just going to learn as I go is something that like really, really worked for me specifically. I knew when I saw that reel of yours, we were cut from the same cloth. I mean, really, <laughs> because it's like you, you could have just, I, I mean, that's how I would have answered the question too. Cause I, yeah. do, I don't believe that you necessarily need a plan. And truthfully, most of the people that I have talked to for this podcast who are very successful in their own right, didn't necessarily have a plan. Um, you know, it's very different, obviously, when you're manufacturing goods and, you know, there's all these things to consider, but sure. most successful entrepreneurs, I don't think like took two years to write a business plan. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I, I like, I like hearing that for sure. And I definitely think that again, there's so many different, amazing, successful entrepreneurs out there. So I like actually knowing that there's like not one way that you have to specifically do it in order to be successful. Well, and one of the things that I love about what you do is your in-house brand, because I think that makes you incredibly unique. You have a lot of control over your inventory, over the designs, over being unique. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk us a little bit about how that came about and also where it's going, because I would imagine that there are a lot of ideas that you have and that you and new things that are coming. And I mean, I, I think. The other thing too, is for a store to have that element of their business most in today's day and age, most certainly helps your margins. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, if you do it right, for sure. I've, I, I don't want to um, not say that we haven't had some flops in our time of doing our own in-house designs, but um, that has been one of the best things that we could have ever done for ourselves. Like you said, it's just something that really keeps us unique. Um, and again, these are always products that I feel like I want to see out there that I'm not seeing. So if I'm not seeing, I just want to create it because I know that if I want it, I bet other people will want it too. Um, and I'd love to be the person that is the one who creates it. How did you know, like how to do it? Like, like, where did you find sources and like, what was that process like? Yeah. So I feel like that was, that has been such a learning process. So we have two kind of like separate in-house, in-house designs. One um, is a beanie line called Mad Hatter. And obviously Mad Hatter bodes really well with Alice in Wonder. Um, that was something that I knew I wanted to do a little bit from the get-go. I had done a couple of holiday seasons and beanie hats were like one of our biggest sellers. And again, I felt like I was just seeing the same kind of hat that was coming from the big back shops. Um, and so if I would ever to buy something wholesale and bring it in that felt totally different, they would sell out in like a day. So I was like, I really want to do something along the lines of beanie hats were in Chicago. So we wear beanie hats like six months out of the yeah. year, right? So something that's huge for us. Um, so I started that super slowly. I wholesaled them for a little bit. Then I talked to my wholesalers. Then I met people, um, you know, through the business who kind of like were in the wholesale game. So who manufactures your products? Um, even a lot of cold emails out to people. Hey, what products do you manufacture? Can you send me samples of those products? Like, what's the fit of that? I mean, I even went and bought a bunch of hats for myself that I liked from brands that I really, really liked, and then went and physically measured each of those hats to see what was the fit of that? Like, what's the material of that hat? So really doing the research behind that um, and kind of trying to figure out what that looks like. There's so many pluses. Obviously, your margins are like much better if you can do that. The, the tricky part about it too is that when you manufacture your own product, 
you're looking at really, really big quality minimums. So there is that element to how are you going to sell that amount? Um, is that possible for you? So that's another thing that like I've had to jump around manufacturers because we started maybe with a hundred of each color in each design and, and we've gone exponentially up from there. So you know, it's it's a little bit, I actually say to people that I really feel like I'm a professional gambler, honestly, and like, because you're really taking bets on what you think is going to be popular, what people are going to like. Um, and again, though, I think if you're making a product that you truly believe in, um, for instance, like with our Mad Hatter hats this year, I am obsessed with them. We got samples of them. I put them on my head. I was like, I would wear this. I would buy this. It's in my price range. So that's why I felt so comfortable kind of moving forward with with how we did it. Um, so I would recommend that to anybody. Like you got to truly believe in your product first if you want other people to feel the same way. What's the story behind Alice in Wonder and the name of your, your shop? Yeah. Um, so my name is Allie um, and my family just growing up had called me Alice. Um, it was actually a name that I would always like, do not call me Alice. Like nobody calls me Alice. It's funny that People will email me now and they'll say, hi, Alice. And it just makes me laugh. So I'm like, nobody calls me Alice. It's really Zally. Um, but it was a family thing. So, and um, I think I had mentioned this to you before, but the original idea for my store, I wanted to open the store with my mom and with my sister. Um, and just life took the three of us in different directions. So when I was going to open it myself, then I wanted there to be like some piece of my family that was like still involved in it. So um, that's where the Alice played into it. And then honestly, I was just trying to think of like things that played off of that and the wonder piece of it in just terms of like how I felt like I was like constantly evolving and constantly like finding the wonder in life. I just felt like it was like change the in to and put the wonder on it, um, drop the land. And it's it's a name that people will remember. I love it. So that's where that came from. You said in the beginning that you, when you were at your PR job, you didn't see your husband very much. So now right. do you get to see him? I do. <laughs> I do get to see him, um, but only because he is truly nice enough. So he has a full-time job. Um, he does not work at Alice in Wonder. Um, but on, you know, in the times that he's able to, like the weekends specifically, he will be kind enough to like help me with this venture. And that is what I think I, I got very lucky when I married him because he's an entrepreneurial spirit too. So he has been so helpful to me. So we see each other a lot more because when he has free time, he does use his free time to help me. Um, so I think that that's like super important, but I will say I work now more than I have I ever worked before. I'm it's sure you feel though. that way too. Um, now I also have a child. I have a 20 month old. Um, so it's like- congratulations. Yeah, it's like a whole new world. I feel like we, you know, he goes to daycare, we pick him up, we put him to bed, and then and then we work, you know, into the night. Um, so I work way more, but it's nice to have a partner that's that supportive of me that will like, you know, kind of chip in when he can. If you had to tell yourself something five, 10 years ago, or if there were mistakes that you made that things that you could have changed, what would those things have been? Yeah, that's I mean, that's such a good question. Um I Oh my gosh, that's a tough one, I feel like. Um, you know, I, I'd i love to say that I'd tell myself the specific things of don't buy this product, it'll never sell, or uh, don't create that thing, like it's not the right thing that people want. Um, but I honestly think that those are the things that you just always are going to continually learn from. Like I, we would not be where we were, to, where we are today without 
like doing those mistakes and hearing that feedback. So um, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are really hard on themselves when they make mistakes. And, you know, I wish this or I wish that. And make, to your point, making mistakes is part of running a successful business. Totally. Yes, absolutely. Right? And I, I think too, it's like, you know, I own, obviously I own this retail store. And so um, I, and I really didn't in my previous life, I worked at a boutique in college, but like, that's about it. So I didn't come from this really strong retail background. So, you know, I will say even learning things of like how to do the customer experience. Well, I feel like that's been one of my biggest learning experiences. And I still feel like it's something that like we as a staff are working on, um, you know, just interact with our customers. Cause to me, like, that's the most important part of when you walk into a store, you want to feel welcomed and you want to feel greeted and you want to feel like someone's really helping you out. And I feel like when you start adding the staff of different personalities, um, you know, how do you convey that to your staff? How do you have your staff act exactly as you would act if somebody walked into your front door? So I think those learnings are things that like we are still working on. And even though I've continually tried to curate the most awesome things I think and to have the most beautiful storefronts it's like there's always something that you can be learning about when you're talking about interacting with people because everyone is totally different so how do you get somebody that like is able to come and interact and be on that person's level every single time and honestly you are proof that you don't have to have the strongest background in what you're doing that you can do it and amazing (laughs) So I want, I want to wrap up by asking you what I've asked every founder who's come on here. And that is if there are three tips that you would give someone who's starting a business tomorrow, or maybe started one yesterday, what would those three tips be? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I would start with the advice that I had spoken about earlier. Don't worry about if it's perfect or pretty, just get started. Uh, you know, jump in with both feet and say, I am just going to do this. And it's totally okay. If you put something out there that maybe is not like your perfect vision of what it is, because you're going to go through and you're going to learn it. So just get started would be my first advice. Um, My second advice would be like to really challenge yourself on putting yourself out there. Um, Definitely, like I mentioned before, one of the biggest things is I feel like every day I am constantly challenged to push myself further, whether that is me needing to ask somebody about something or me needing to go on our social media or me needing to follow up with somebody who said no to me. I'm very much one of those people, like if somebody says no, they don't want it. I'm like, cool, cool. I'll see you later. You know, so really pushing myself outside of that comfort zone, because I think every entrepreneur, like you're going to have to get comfortable with the word no. You're going to have to hear the word no from people that you love and respect. And you're going to have to swallow it and say, okay, why are they saying no? How can I change that? Um, What can I do to improve it? So taking things as learning and just like really pushing yourself to, to, to get to that next level. And then I would say, gosh, the third thing um, is to, yeah, what is the third thing that I would tell somebody that they need to do? Um, I would say like, you know, as you're, as you're starting this company or like, as you are growing your, your team, think about the core values of what you want that business to embody. 
Um, I think that's been really, really important for me. Like at the end of the day, if someone walks away from my business, like what are they saying about my business? Um, because when you open yourself up to having a lot of customers, having a lot of human interaction, um, I feel like that message can sometimes get dwindled down. Um, and so I feel like you might need to get to a point where you're constantly going back to being like, who am I and what am I doing this for? Um, so I think if you have those roots really deeply grounded in what you're doing and you don't stray away from those, then your business is going to be successful. Allie Ref, founder of Alice in Wonder. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you for, for having me. Insight. Honestly, you and I could probably talk for days. I was going to say, the next time let's have wine with this discussion. A thousand percent, <laughs> not even a hundred percent, a thousand percent. Yes. Um, I want everyone to please check out Alice in Wonder online. The link is in the show notes. You can also find her on Instagram at Alice in Wonder. We featured my favorite pillows in the gift guide. <laughs> And I'm sure we'll share them We have more. a lot of pillows, I promise. So don't worry. But they have more than just the pillows. So you're <laughs> going to want to check it out. But um, thank you so much for being here. I loved this conversation and I cannot wait to share it with our audience. Thank you for having me. Allie is absolutely incredible. She is totally magnetic. And I loved spending time with her in today's episode. I loved her story. Don't you? She had so many amazing takeaways. She was so real about her journey. Get out your pen and paper because you're going to want to write some of these down. Number one, life is all about how you react to the circumstances around you that happen. The pandemic puts many small businesses through hell, but for companies like Alice in Wonder, it also provided a lot of opportunity. You have to seek out the opportunity when it comes to dire circumstances. Number two, Social media is ever evolving, but small businesses need to embrace it. Look at your following as a community, your community, your family. Number three, build a brand that is approachable. Think of your target consumer and build an experience that they want. Number four, people share their time with you because you share your time with them. Understand what it means when customers give you their time and support. Number five, When you own a business, it's important to show your face and answer people's questions and connect with your customers. Number six, just start. The best thing that you can do is start. It's never going to be perfect. That's the best advice that anyone can ever give you. You're always going to be learning and improving. Number seven, when you manufacture a product, it can be trial and error. But if you truly believe in what you're doing and that you would use and you would use the product and it helps you you will absolutely want to move forward with it. Number eight, you need to learn from your mistakes. You can't move forward without learning from your mistakes and feedback. Number nine, challenge yourself on putting yourself out there. Push yourself further. You're going to have to get uncomfortable with the world. With You're going to have to get comfortable with the word no. Ask yourself why someone is saying no and how you can change that and how you can improve your service to turn the no into a yes. Number 10, what are the core values that you want your business to embody? I cannot thank you enough for being here and for joining us on today's episode of Dear Founder. Make sure that you follow at Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Founder on Instagram. You can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com slash freebie to download some of my tips, tools, and resources for starting a business and for managing your social media beast. We have some amazing guests coming up, so please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, 
please, please, please make sure to leave a rating and review. You have no idea how much it means to me. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Allie or who has started a business or who has a great idea for a business, share this episode with them. You can text it to them or post it on your Instagram. Make sure to tag me. I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. I'll be back soon with another episode of Dear Founder.